Hey everybody! Before we get into the episode, uh, just a quick content warning. Um, in case the in case it wasn't clear from the title, we do talk about alcohol consumption in this episode. Um, there's also brief mention of uh, the the issues related to spousal abuse from alcoholism. Um, it's very brief, right in the middle of the episode. Um, we also talk about you know the violence associated with prohibition and that kind of thing. We just wanted to give you a heads up before we got into it, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Hey, Travis, prove you're not drunk and say the alphabet backwards. But I couldn't do that sober. It's manners. Host Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife, host Teresa McElroy. And you are listening to and watching Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. This How is, are you? This is a new setup. I'm, I'm loving it. I feel like a sit down comic. <laughs> there, now I can see. I did I set your microphone to my height, which <laughs> was Makes a sense. mistake. Hi, everybody. Hi, hi, Austin, Texas. And Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Yeah. Okay, I got a little bit more out of Austin, Texas yeah, there. Well. Do you not identify as Moon Tower Comedy Festival collectively? <laughs> That's all right. Well, can I tell you something? I'm really excited to be wearing my brand new cowboy boots. My little ankle boots. Got those. Bought at, at uh, South Congress at Allen's Boots or whatever. Uh-huh, yeah. Local. And then we had it some tacos. A, well, it took a very long time to pick these boots because I have a very strange way of shopping. She does it on her hands. No. No, Teresa's deal is that she'll find something that she likes and go, oh, I like these. And then she'll spend another hour looking at everything else to make sure she doesn't like anything else more until eventually she just talks herself out of the original thing she was going to get and buys nothing. (laughs) And that's the reason millennials are killing the economy. (laughs) All of this is very true and why I shop at thrift stores because it costs like $2. And also, it does make me seem like a horrible... like Like, okay, if you didn't know from the outside, I sound like a horrible husband going, I don't know, just buy it. But actually, it's the reverse where I'm like, buy it. You deserve it. Get it. Buy it for yourself. Um. I almost put these boots back three times. (laughs) My husband made me buy them. I just like when you spend money. I know, it's cliche. Um, So, obviously, uh, we're talking about the what is it we call it the etiquette of intoxication of intoxication yes not um, shopping you know being That's drunk a one. um and so i thought i would first of all okay first and this is this will be a comedy show but first this is no laughing matter one alcoholism is a very serious issue or uh, it is nothing to make light of um heavy drinking um is is not an inherently funny topic and we don't want to seem like we're making light of that at all um, so I, I don't want it to seem like we're making fun or making light of a very serious situation that a lot of people deal with um, and that could tear apart families and ruin people's lives. So let's be clear, 
The joke here is not heavy drinking. How funny, right? So that's not the joke. <laughs> secondly, um, super, super important, don't drink and drive because we're going to be talking about drinking, but the, the, I, and I, I almost said the biggest faux pas, but that's so undermining the actual issue of like it's an incredibly serious issue of drinking and driving even a little bit, especially these days where there are so many ride-sharing options and it, it, just so many opportunities to not drink, drink and drive. So, like, that is also not a joke. Um, Thank you, dear. And now, would you like to hear about the first time I got drunk? Woo! I was 16. Underage drinking, also not funny. I was 16. It was an after party, cast party, for a show. Ah, theater kids. And... I remember at the time being 16 and thinking, I am drinking a lot of alcohol. And now I look back and think like I had like half a beer and maybe like one shot of something. And I was like stumbling all over the place. And I came home an hour and a half late for curfew. And it was very dark in my home. And I snuck in. Oh, so sneaky, so creepy. And as I'm taking off my shoes, my mom turned on the lights. She'd been sitting in the corner in the dark. And I fell on the ground screaming. <laughs> and she said, you're late. And I said, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, we were watching a movie and I lost track of time. Wait, what movie was it? That was my mom's next question. And then I said, Stuart Little 2. <laughs> because it was the movie that popped in my head. And she said, go to bed. And I said, you got it. And I'm thinking, home free. <clears throat> and so then we passed in a hallway and she said, you smell like beer. And I said, what? <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> and she said, go to bed, we'll talk about it in the morning. And then I woke up and uh, I, was, I remember being fairly hungover. Uh, but once again, at 16, I had no frame of reference. So I don't know, I might've just been tired. And my dad made me wash the car. And then we had a two-hour-long, what my parents, Southern Baptists, would have called come-to-Jesus talk (laughs) that involved my dad and mom just saying over and over again, where did we go wrong? What did we... (laughs) What did we do? And I just wept and wept and wept. And I didn't touch alcohol again for two and a half years. My uh, first time being intoxicated uh, was actually when I was of legal drinking age because in high school I had a boyfriend who was straight edge. So I know I really look it right now. <laughs> um, so then I, um, I was of legal de- drinking age and I went up for a Halloween party to a different uh, college than I was going to. I went up to Ohio State, the Ohio State. Nobody here claps for that. Um, which is in Columbus, Ohio, and there's kind of like, uh, there's, there's like a town-wide celebration because it's an enormous college town. Um, and since this was my first time drinking, all of my friends thought it'd be really great if I drank a bunch of hard liquor. Yay! And when I say first time drinking... 
What I mean is first time drinking in order to feel drunk because my parents really love wine. They belong to wine clubs and such. And so as a as a teenager, I had wine with dinner. There was always a pairing. Very European. I think. <laughs> yeah, like, I said it, and you all were like, yeah. Sure. I don't know. I haven't researched it. I think I know about it from cartoons. Yeah, so, every, so probably once or twice a week, we would be able to have a glass of wine with dinner. Um, and then, so in Columbus at Halloween... Uh, I really felt the peer pressure to drink and get mm. drunk. Um, and so I probably drank, oh, I don't know, I had some whiskey, I had some vodka, I had some tequila. And it's like good I when you just... mix it all together, right? Well, because they would hand it to me and I'd be like, Murp, and I'd just drink it. Hey, here's a lesson. First thing, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't just um, drink things people hand you. No. Uh, and so I actually did not realize how intoxicated I was getting. Um, and I was walking around dressed as Dorothy. And when we got back to the house I was staying at, I took my shoes off and poured blood out of my shoes. Oh, my goodness. I had cut my heel down to the tendon in both shoes and had no idea because I was so drunk. Uh, and then the next day, I had to put on ballet shoes. Really hurt, guys. Really hurt. Uh, so that's my first drunk story. Okay, everybody. Well, this is going to be a little awkward for a second because uh, back at home, our, our smoke alarm went off. Everything's fine. But I need to talk to our security alarm system <laughs> real quick. This is the thing that happens when both people who live in the house are on stage. So talk amongst yourselves. No, don't, don't talk amongst yourselves. Here. Hey. Uh, so in other... What we do for Schmanners, if you're not familiar, is we talk about the historical precedents for a lot of the etiquette that we go through. Um, and so I think that the, the biggest historical precedents we have here in the United States is prohibition, right? Um, and... The thing about prohibition is um, a lot of scholars are really quick to pin it on the Puritans. And in fact, I totally did this myself. But there's a lot of research out there, and not, um, not that I, f I didn't find this until I actually looked pretty deep into uh, prohibition, that um, Puritans probably didn't care about drink because it was a lot more dangerous to drink water than it was to drink beer at this point. So basically, children went from the, the breast to the bottle. Um, everyone drank all the time, and in fact, the Puritans landed illegally on Cape Cod instead of where they were supposed to land because they ran out of beer. And they panicked. It was the world's first beer run. <laughs> I re-entered on a strong note. Nice. Uh, in fact, a, um, a Puritan minister of the period of the Mayflower named Bud Weiser no. <laughs> named Increase Mather, 
God, what a good name. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm sure he was a jerk. Let's be honest. He, he was a Puritan minister. He was a jerk. But Increase Ronda, it sounds like a new Eminem LP. It does, doesn't it? Um, he described proud alcohol. Yeah, I felt pretty good about that joke. Thank you. He described alcohol as a good creature of God, although the drunkard himself was referred to as of the devil, as a lot of other things in the Puritan religion. Dancing, fun, looking at each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just lost my place. That's okay. We can all think about what would happen if we were still Puritans. Think about it, won't you? No. Okay. Okay. So, in 1790, uh, people, Americans of the United States, were consuming an average of 5.8 gallons of pure alcohol a year. That's like Andre the Giant levels. Not, not quite. Um, but the reason... Because he probably consumed that in like a day. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Um, Teaser. <laughs> but like, the thing is, at this point in history, before the Industrial Revolution, uh, the thing that you probably did all day was farm, which doesn't require a ton of like focus. Whoa, Teresa coming out swinging at farmers. Well, I mean, back then, they didn't have things like tractors or combines or things like that. It was you and a plow and a horse, right? And most of the time, the horse pretty much knew what they were doing by that point. Yeah. So I I know sometimes it's hard to tell if I'm joking or not, but I meant that one. I think after a while, the horse is like, yeah, get it. Straight. Turn. Straight. Turn. Yeah. Um, and, and people lived in cooperative communities. So if someone was, uh, was overdoing it, they, they often got community help, you know, because the, the water was, was difficult to clean, and so you needed the fermentation of the beer to clean it out. And then you, I mean, you started drinking with breakfast, so uh, everybody developed a pretty high tolerance. Well, and not only that, but I, I think more than tolerance, my guess would be, and I am not an anthropologist... I do not shop in anthropology. I wasn't proud of that one. If I'm being honest, even I was like, nah. But my, my bet that along with uh, a tolerance, it was also about pace, because I think that there's a big difference between like, you know, like I am having a drink versus I am drinking. And I'm sure, willing to bet sure. that it wasn't until more um, like free time drinking, recreational drinking, before people were like, how quick can I do this? Right, which happened about the 1830s. Um, in the 1830s, the average American male was drinking 7.1 gallons a year of pure alcohol. But that's even more than before. Even more. Whoa! It, and... and so what happened? What happened in the 1830s is there's this kind of this stirring up of reform in America. There's um, women's rights movement. There's the anti-slavery movement. Um, and temperance. These are good things. Yes. These, are, these are good things. And so temperance kind of got rolled into the idea of we're, we're 
forming a better country. We're reforming it. Um, because here's the thing. Um, women weren't allowed in bars. So men... Boo. I know, right? What so, did they do on ladies' night? There was no ladies' nights. What? Most women of the time were taking laudanum to deal with their oh, okay. everyday lives cool, cool, instead cool. of drinking. Uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other. You can find out more about that on our sister show, Sawbones. <laughs> um, so, so men were the big drinkers as far as recreational drinking goes. Um, and what would happen is as these jobs were being as farming was being replaced by industrial jobs, factory work, um, which was so much more um, dangerous, much more dangerous than that they couldn't, um, and they didn't have unions. So if you got ill or if you got injured at work, you were like out of luck. Um, and so these, these men... Uh, these factory workers tend to turn to drink as comfort. Well, and so that's the thing. I'm not a psychologist. A little bit. I am a little bit. No, um, you're no, not. No, I'm not. <laughs> what, two semesters of psychology? Yeah, more no. than most of you. I don't know. Maybe it's a room full of... Sci- Anyways, I think that what we're looking at, right, because when you look at it, is the difference between seeing it as just a regular thing mm-hmm. versus making it into a form of release or yeah. even worse, something that's taboo where it's like, oh, so naughty, right? Because that's what you're looking at is like looking forward to drinking after work versus like you can if you want to and then you can opt out or not. Like, so when something is made available, it's the difference. It's why underage drinking is a problem. And then you get to like 30 something and you're like, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like, I, I feel like that's the difference is when something is illicit or when mm-hmm. something is viewed as a reward for like a day's hard work, it's a lot harder to like pace yourself. It's a lot harder to behave responsibly. Certainly. Right? Because you're compressing it all and you're also feeling a, a thrill of adrenaline. Yeah, an emotional release. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that probably led to more of the idea of like, let's get drunk instead of somebody who was like, is drunk. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay. Um, Getting drunk being the goal. Right. Versus, whoops. <laughs> but I mean... And at this point in history, getting drunk was the goal for a lot of people. Um, and then uh, a lot of the temperance like societies were full of women, full of mothers. Um, they were tired of uh, absentee husbands. They were also tired of uh, physically abuse, abusive husbands. Um, and it was kind of like the excuse was, well, I was drunk, so doesn't matter and there weren't a lot of um uh you know like marital rape laws also marital uh abuse laws basically she was yours so you could do what you wanted boo not good um and that started to change i would say boo and not good are both kind of a massive understatement there but i think (laughs) i think you know what we meant yes that sucks the, uh, the U.S. government started getting involved officially in 1862 when they eliminated the traditional half-pint daily rum ration for sailors. What? What? Eliminated it. 
So the government, before this, was just like, of course, here you go. Yeah. What are we going to do? Not hand out rum to sailors? Why is the rum always gone? That's a ridiculous thing. That is a ridiculous thing that I've just now discovered. I don't, I don't know whether to be upset or amused. I'm going to go with both. Okay. Whoa, Whoa careful there. Um, and so then this really started people thinking of like, we should make a law. We should make a law about this. This should, this should be done. Even the government thinks that this is not cool. Um, so then, uh, as we were talking about, on January 16th of 1919, the 18th Amendment was passed. And that solved all our problems. So, um, and, and then, you know, people are responsible with alcohol to this day. The end. No, it wasn't the end. Here's the problem. Okay, here's the problem. Mm -hmm. When you make something illegal, it doesn't inherently stop people from doing it. Because the bigger problem is the underlying issues that accompany the problem and not just the surface level thing that the people do. And in this case, enforcement was the problem. Yes. And also, you know, Al Capone <laughs> um, and, 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 but, and but similar. He, he rose to power because it was so hard to enforce it. Um, because prohibition did not ban the consumption of alcohol. It only banned it from being sold, right? So once you got it in the hands of people, it's fine, you know, at that point. Um, so or if you made I'm it sorry, in your manufactured own tub. and sold, yes. manufactured and sold. Um, but uh, you could get a prescription for true. your alcohol if you needed it. Quote unquote. Um, I did both because you can see my hands, but the people at home can't. Right. So I did air quotes and said quote unquote. Um, and, and so, I mean, we, we really all know the story of the speakeasies and the gangsters and the bootleggers and all of that stuff. And prohibition has been touted throughout the world as a huge failure um, because the really loud people wanted it and then everybody else really didn't. I would also probably argue that a lot of the issues we still have with alcohol, well, not person-to-person alcohol abuse, but I think societally probably still is a repercussion from, like, how much everybody got into alcohol as soon as it was illegal. And then it became, like, a lot of the cocktails we think of now and a lot of, like, drinking traditions and stuff came from during Prohibition and shortly after. So, like, a lot of the, like, heavy drinking holidays we have now are from, like, the 40s and things like that. So I, I would probably guess that it's still having lots of uh, repercussions today. So, during the Great Depression, they decided, the government, they, decided... Capital T. <laughs> decided that they needed money, <laughs> like everybody, really. Um, and selling alcohol would be a great way to make money. Um, so, it was ended on February 16th of 1933 with the 21st Amendment. Federally, but state and local laws are still a real mishmash. Have you ever been to a dry county, Travis? Yes, Teresa, I have. More than that, okay, so 
Dry counties? Who here knows about dry counties? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you don't know, I saw some people not really. A dry county is where it, it varies. Some places it is uh, like no alcohol sales at all. Some places it is like no alcohol sales on Sundays. Some places it is no alcohol before a certain time of day. Some places it is only certain stores can sell it. Um, and some places it gets so granular to the point of what is going on. Who? And I really think it's a lot of people going, that's still a thing? We haven't fixed that yet? <laughs> we should fix that. Yeah, we should. Okay, we'll worry about it tomorrow. Anyways. It's dumb. Would you like to talk about some famous drinkers? I would, but first, can I tell um, my favorite time that you've ever gotten drunk? Oh, no. I love this story because, one, well, we'll get there, but the spoiler is, when Teresa is very drunk, she gets even more polite. Um, so uh, our friend uh, Brent Black, who does Transactives with me, was visiting us in L.A., and Teresa had had a particularly bad day. She was uh, working part-time as a dog walker at the time. Which and, I loved. Yes. But this day, not so much. Well, they'd given her the wrong information for the security alarm and stuff, so the alarm had gone off, and she got yelled at by, like, everybody, the police um, and the owners of the place, and she was being made to pay the alarm fee, and so she was having a real bad day. So as the girl, like, hanging out of the apartment before walking to our favorite karaoke place, she drank a whole bottle of wine. Um... <laughs> And then it was interesting. Picture like the evolution of man drawing, but backwards. And that was like as we walked to the bar, she was fine when we walked out the door. And then at one point we were crossing the street and her shoe fell off and she just yelled, leave it! Um, I remember that part. Yeah. And I ran back and got it, and she was like, my hero. And so then we got to the bar, and it was only, it was about like two long blocks, right? Two long blocks. And we got to the bar, and then she did a shot of Fireball, which I've never seen my wife do. I don't remember that part. Before or since. <laughs> and then I was talking with Brent, and about a half hour later, our friend Rachel walked up to us and said, or walked up to me and said, um, Teresa's locked herself in the bathroom. She is very drunk. And I said, okay, cool. And so I went and knocked on the door and I said, hi, it's Travis. Um, may I come in? And she said, yes. And I walked in and she, and she was just like, I'm really drunk. And I said, okay, let's go home. So like I whisked her out and as I was leaving, I turned to Brent and I said, hey, I'll be right back. I'm just going to take Teresa home, put her in bed, and then I'll come back and get you and we'll go. So then we started walking and every mm, five feet, Teresa would stop and go, oh no. And I would say, what? And she'd go, we forgot Brent. <laughs> and I would say, no, it's fine. I told Brent I'm going to go back and get him. Oh, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Brent. And then, like, every, every walkway, she kept trying to, like, and we're home. And I was like, no, honey. <laughs> we're not home. And so it took us, like, a ridiculous amount of time to get back to our apartment. And then when we got there, I found I had left my keys in my jacket at the bar. So I called my friend Trevor, and I was like, hey, I need you to bring him. So he walked him over to me. And the whole time, Teresa was just like, I am so sorry about this. And she was like, speaking like that coherently, but also like falling over, just like, I'm very sorry. You know what I remember about this part? Uh, he had, I sat down on the stoop in front of our apartment, and um, I was wearing an infinity scarf. 
She expelled the waste. <laughs> I orally. vomited into my infinity scarf. And also a little bit on a snail, which she was so sad about. I was so sad. She felt so bad because she puked on a snail. I still don't wear that infinity scarf. <laughs> I'm done with it. I just really, she was very cute and I love my wife very much. Here's my favorite of Travis's. Oh, goodness. Um, he was very quietly getting drunk for several hours. Well, okay, there's a good reason. Hold on. There's a, there was not a good reason. We had had a fight. It was not a major fight as fights go, but we had been talking about getting a dog for a while, and Teresa did not feel that we were ready for a dog, and in retrospect, she was correct. But at the time, I very adamantly believed we were ready for a dog, and she had said no, and I had quiet rumblings of childish anger in my heart or I was like I'm an adult I can do things if I want to so I had one too many glasses of wine and and then got on the internet and uh, bought four pipes because I'm an adult pipes. I'm an adult and I do it and I thought yes this is a very adult thing to do um and and they arrived three days later and they were each an inch and a half long <laughs> And I had missed that detail <laughs> when I had ordered them. When I confronted him about this, he said, I'm an adult and I can do what I want. <laughs> there was also a time, another time Teresa got drunk. Oh my God. Oh goodness. I'm sorry. Another time Teresa got drunk where we were living in L.A. and we went to, we thought it was trivia night. These are like the three times yeah. I've ever That is very true. Um, we thought it was trivia night, but we got there and it was us and our friend, oh, Heidi, no. and her boyfriend. We got there and um, we forgot that it was the Oscars and so like nobody was at this bar in L.A. It was like the four of us and the bartender. So the bartender put the Oscars on the TV for us and we were just watching and sitting there drinking, watching the Oscars. And then, and then the In Memoriam came on and it just broke Teresa. <laughs> She Guys, was just Alan Rickman died that year, she and I just, was really upset. No joke, y'all. She cried for like two hours <laughs> from the in memoriam because she's tender-hearted angel. I was so sad about it. It really bummed her out. Oh, okay. I was so Speaking sad. of famous people, not well, some of them are probably dead. Tell me about some famous people who drank. <laughs> Listen, it wasn't a good transition. <laughs> We mentioned earlier Andre the Giant. And so um, let, let me give you a little bit of background, okay? Um, so Andre the Giant, in case you didn't know, uh, worked as a professional wrestler. And actor. And actor. He weighed 240 kilos. How, many, how much is that in... Any Brits here tonight or Canadians? Remember? A lot of pounds. How much? 510. Nice. Whoa. Three times as much as me. <laughs> okay. Um, and he is, is credited with the unofficial title of the greatest drunk on earth because it has been recorded that he drank 119 beers in six hours. 
What does that work out to how many beers an hour? Wait, say it again. 119 in six hours. So about 20 an hour? Oh my gosh, what? That's a ton of beer. I didn't even know like a... It might actually be a literal ton of beer. I didn't know that a stomach could hold that much, but I guess... Well, not a regular stomach, Not a regular stomach. But perhaps the stomach of a giant. (laughs) I'm David Attenborough. (laughs) Um, So... He, he was very, very famous for getting, I wouldn't say getting, like, super drunk, but there were several occasions where he did get super drunk, one of those being um, at an after party for uh, the Princess Bride movie. Yes. Um, and Gary Ewis writes about it in, in his book about, what is the As name? As You of Wish. It? As You Wish, right. Um, he has been quoted as saying that he felt that Andre probably drank to deal with the massive back pain that he carried his entire life because of his size. Um, And so one of the stories that he tells is that he would constantly drink something called The American, uh, which... Not a good sign. Yeah, not a good sign, uh, which was uh, a pitcher of alcohol, 40 ounces of alcohol, by the way, of several different kinds of liquor. And he would drink this as one would drink a beer. So he would drink out of the pitcher and have several of these in a night. That poor man, really. Yeah, that ain't good. And I bet he had a giant hangover. I know. You know, know, it's not good. This article doesn't say whether or not he had a hangover, but he probably did. Probably. Probably. Um, And he he famously passed out in a hotel lobby, and they just kind of, like, made a little, like, do not cross around him. (laughs) Like the velvet ropes. They just, because they couldn't move him. He was amazingly huge, so they just kind of roped him off. You've made me think about now, too, when you talk about drunk celebrities in hotel lobbies, if you haven't seen the video where Kiefer Sutherland tackles a Christmas tree, (laughs) you should stop what you're doing right now. No, maybe wait till after the show. But you should watch it. He attacked a Christmas tree? He tackles a Christmas tree. He's he's like doing an interview, and he goes, oh, that makes sense, and then just like runs backwards. (laughs) Out of no, he can't even see the tree where he's looking. I mean, just turns. It's great. Big fan. Another famous drinker that nobody's surprised about is Benjamin Benjamin Franklin. Yes. Um, he actually what he loved drinking so much that he wrote several quotes about it. Um, there cannot be good living where there is no drinking. That makes sense. Um, and then <laughs> this really goes to show you the, the state of, uh, of the, the drinking water. It says, in wine, there is wisdom. In beer, there is freedom. In water, there is bacteria. <laughs> now, this may be a misattributed quote because had the germ theory of disease come out yet during Bre- Benjamin Franklin? I don't know. One day I'll ask Sydney. 
Um, now the one, the one that is often... maybe he didn't say. Maybe it's just a translation thing, and he actually said like, "There are demons," and they're like, "Ooh, Ooh. we're gonna update that." Maybe, maybe. Uh, but I wanted to. And in to water, talk about- there are ghosts. Oh, Benjamin! Oh, Benjamin! The one that he is often uh, attributed with is the one that says, "Beer is living proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy." He didn't say that. He probably didn't say that. He probably didn't say that. that. Uh, You don't know. I might have. What he said, written in a letter to his daughter, is, Behold the rain which descends from heaven upon our vineyards. There it enters the roots of the vines to be changed into wine, a constant proof that God loves us and loves us to be happy. That's much better. It is much better, but not, you know, as succinct. Yeah. It probably Pinterest fits it a lot better, the other one. Or if it just said, like, booze equals God. <laughs> that's a Pinterest fail. Yeah. Yeah. I would that put is. that on a coaster. I would not. Booze equals God? What about God equals booze? What? Because God makes booze? Maybe just God makes booze. <laughs> God makes booze equal love. What are what? God makes booze equal love, Travis. <laughs> and like my bitmoji going. You know what's gonna happen? We have a P.O. box and someone's gonna send us that. It's gonna go in your office and not in the rest Yay. of my house. Yay! Um, let's see. Do you want to hear any more drunk stories or what? Do I? What time is it? Okay. I mean, we could do some... We have some questions that we the do. audience has written in. Let's um, do those. Okay. Let's we're going to do those. those and then also, if we have time, we're going to open up. There's an audience mug over here. We're going to open it up. If you have any alcohol-related questions or, failing that, just any, like, general etiquette questions that you have, um, we'll let you know. We'll call on people so you but, don't need to start But think about it now you. so that you're ready. Um, now, you surprised me, madam. <gasps> I'm so sorry. I forgive you. Let me go through some some. No, general, I'm ready now. I can do some general. No, but I'm ready. Help, no, but like just. <laughs> okay, this question. The is number from, one rule uh, that you should probably do <laughs> is if you are uh, going to a party and it is on your mind to drink heavily. One of the things that's recommended is you should wear dark colors. And I didn't think about this oh, at all. But for you should, spills. For spills. In Both case you spill. Both liquid and human spills. Vomiting. Ew. You said it first. You talked about throwing up in your scarf. Yeah, but that was funny. <laughs> um, but you should uh, wear dark clothing because it will hide any kind of spill or dribble. And speaking of dribble, um, <laughs> don't play basketball while you're drunk. As the night wears on, I would recommend that you stay away from the martini glass uh, because with its wide mouth opening, it uh, is very difficult as one gets drunker to make sure it all goes in your mouth and not down your shirt. Either that or crazy straw. Or crazy straw. Nice. That makes it easier. Um, I I also think, as long as we're talking about general rules, and we'll get to this for a second, if your plan is, you know what, I'm going to go out 
and drink to excess tonight. Um, what helps with that is planning. So for example, take a ride share or a cab there or ride with a friend. Don't drive your own car, as we discussed at the top of the show. Or walk like we did. Or walk. Uh, and have somebody with you that's like the DD or especially if you're celebrating um, somebody who's with you that you're like, hey, this is my plan for the evening, you know, a, a minder almost, you know what I mean, where that's the, the arrangement ahead of time. Um, well, you know what, we'll talk about this more when we get into the questions because I have some thoughts on this. Um, so more, so questions now? Yes. Okay. This I'm question ready. is from Disco Priest. Nice. I assume not their real name. What's the most mannerly and easy to articulate way to excuse yourself should you, completely inadvertently, imbibe too much and need to leave a party to pass out on your living room rug? Um, well, I definitely suggest that if you are able to, you should thank your host and say goodnight and leave. Um, I, don't, I don't believe that you owe anyone an explanation for where you are going or what you are doing. And you could very easily just say, excuse me, I've had enough. enough. Good night. I'm going to go home. Yes. And that's it. That's all that you need. Um, it, is, it is best, especially, and this is hard to think about in the moment, of course, because you are drunk. Um, but it is best, especially if people have noticed you've been drinking too much, that you don't just disappear. Right. Right. Um, this question is from Emmy. What is the best way to apologize if you wake up to find you've been drunkenly, drunkenly calling and texting people? Oh, boy. Um, one of the pieces of advice I was going to give, some, give uh, just in general was the idea of if you're going to do, like, selfies or, like, status updates, do it first before you go and get drunk and leave your phone away because... Um, a lot of your inhibitions can be lowered. You talk to someone that you would not have normally spoken to. And I think that the best thing that you can do is um, if, you, if you find you need to contact them, apologize or, or say something to the effect of like, um, this is not what I would have done in any normal circumstance. I will say, though, so something that's very important, and this is uh, a lesson that I learned about drinking once I became an adult, there is a certain amount of, um, not excuse, but there's a certain amount of explanation you can make of, I'm sorry, I was drunk. But the thing to keep in mind is that being drunk does not magically make your actions not impact people. And so if you are very mean to people, or if you are very rude to people, or you're very hurtful to people... Waking up the next morning saying, hey, I was drunk. That doesn't make it not have hurt them. and not a, It is not a magic eraser that makes mm-hmm. it okay for that person. So don't think that just saying, like, I was drunk is an excuse for your behavior. I, Absolutely. I, I would also Absolutely. say that the, this is one of the cases where I think actions speaking louder than words is very important. If, if you wake up and you need to make amends uh, for someone you might have offended or upset because you uh, were too drunk the night before... And then the next weekend you do it again, and then you do it again two weeks later, it really starts to have diminishing returns as far as your apologies go. Right. Um, and I, I think that that's definitely something you need to keep in mind as you move forward of like, okay, listen, it happens. You know, sometimes you, you don't pace yourself well, or the adrenaline catches up or whatever, and you end up drinking too much. That, that happens, especially when you're younger. I don't know, maybe when you're older too. Uh, but I have a baby now, so I go to bed at 8 p.m. So, um, <laughs> but it, it happens, and it's okay 
to you know make apologies. Um, one of the symptoms of hangover that a lot of people experience is loss of sense of self self worth, which is a real bummer. Yeah, and can make you wake up feeling like absolute garbage, both physically and emotionally. Um, so it's okay to make that apology, but then you really need to like make sure that you are not repeating the same action. So to over that and over. effect, what I would suggest is if you find that you are contacting the same people over and over again, delete them from your phone. Or maybe deal with the underlying issues that you have with those people in your sober I instead mean, of yes, okay. but but eminently. You can uh, use this thing called an address book, and you can write down their contact information if you don't want to lose it permanently. Or you can give your phone to a friend. Well, what I'm saying is, if you can't trust yourself, this is a good way to break the habit. Yes, but I would say that one of the things to think about is much like uh, we mentioned temperance being a problem because it outlawed the thing without actually dealing with the underlying issues. Yes, of course, dear. That is something... To keep in mind here, too, with the heavy drinking. Um, this question, I don't mean to get preachy. We're just trying to help. I just realized I was getting real preachy. I don't mean to. I've learned from my own mistakes. Um, this is from Douglas. When guesting or hosting a BYOB party, that's bring your own beverage. In case you didn't know. <laughs> What's the etiquette at the end of the party with leftover beer, wine, or liquor, opened or unopened? Um, so we've, we talked about this as far as like parties go. If a, like, um, if you, all right, here's the deal. If it's opened, like you should leave it. Like wine Um, or like wine. I mean, beer too. It sounds like an open beer with you. Uh, wine or spirits. I mean, even if it has like a screw top, it should be left. Um, but I would say that if, if it's some like if it's like a untouched six pack, you should be able you you're able to take that back. Um, just because you brought that to the party doesn't mean that you will be furnishing their meals for the rest of the week. Yeah, I think something to think about too is the spirit in which you gave it. If like you brought a, a bottle of wine as like a host gift, even if it's still closed, that's not yours anymore. You gave that as a gift. You don't get to take that. Right. Yes. Um, but I would say uh, that, uh, you know, you should talk to your host about this because some hosts will be more than gracious and say, you know what, we don't drink 7-Up, so you should take that back. Things like that. Um, this question is from Rachel. I love hosting parties, but never know exactly what I'm expected to provide alcohol-wise. Beer, wine, vodka? Does it change based on occasion? Any tips or crowd-pleasing recipes are appreciated. Um, I would suggest that you have a small amount of two or three things. One of those things should include a non-alcoholic option, um, whether it's, I don't know, like Kool-Aid or 7-Up again, whatever. Or Kool-Aid in 7-Up. Ooh. And I just mean pour the powder straight in there. I've never tried it, but you what do you guys think? you got to add sugar to Kool-Aid. There's already sugar in the 7-Up. I don't know. And maybe add some fruit to it. And now you got a non-alcoholic sangria. Ah. You should send those recipes to this question asker. I just did. (laughs) Um, But then I I suggest that you have a small amount of 
of beer or wine. And then um, I would have enough to make one like signature cocktail for the evening. Um, I mean, gin and tonic is a really great one. That's very like, it has a, a few ingredients or whiskey and Coke or something like that so that you can have one option for the evening. And I, I will give you all, it's a little outdated, but I think it deserves to make a comeback. And that is punch at a party. And the nice thing about that is there are lots and lots of options for non-alcoholic that you can do um, and alcoholic. And the mm-hmm. nice thing is the reason that punch exists as a recipe was that idea of like, I am hosting but I don't want to have to like furnish individual drinks for everybody there. So you would mix up punch and then everybody could grab a drink if they want to. And it was, it's like having a tray of hors d'oeuvres, right? That's what punch is. It's like the order of version of drinks. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. So punch, making a comeback. You heard it here first. I, I have a really great story about punch, but- Go on. Um, so, in the 17th century, there was a, an admiral named Edward Russell. Um, and, sorry, sorry. There we go. Um, um, and he made punch for a party in a fountain, like a big. Like a fountain. Like a fountain. fountain, like on the ground, fountain, huge. Uh, 250 gallons of brandy plus 125 gallons of wine, plus uh, 1,400 pounds of sugar, plus uh, 2,500 lemons, 20 gallons of lime juice, and, you know, five pounds of nutmeg. Cool. Um, And so what he did was he put little bartenders in canoes in the fountain. (laughs) And they, uh, in small wooden canoes, and they paddled around, filling guests' cups. Um, and <laughs> these bartenders could only work in 15-minute shifts because the vapors coming off of the fountain were <laughs> making them pass out. Yay! This party... Uh, con- continued for a full week. Whoa! And, it, and they paused it only uh, because it started raining, so they put a canopy over the fountain to keep it from getting diluted. What? <laughs> and when the fountain was empty, they finished the party, and everybody went home. <laughs> Um, in case you hadn't figured out by that recipe that the punch, when you talk historically about punch, what we think of as like some, you know, sherbet in there um, is actually, it was um, a good example of this. If you want to know a version of uh, a punch recipe that's still around, are you familiar with Long Island iced tea? <laughs> that used to be a punch recipe where you just dump like eight different kinds of liquor into a thing and you go, drink up! <laughs> everybody hope you're enjoying the episode thank you again to moon tower comedy festival for having us we had a great time oh so fun austin one of the best cities in the world definitely top 1000 <laughs> um so real quick we want to do a couple thank you notes to our sponsors Support for Schmanners comes in part from Lola, offering a line of organic cotton tampons, pads, and liners. 
Lola products come in a simple, customizable subscription, so you'll never need to make another frantic trip to the drugstore. You know, for something that comes quite regularly and predictably, it's very easy to be caught unawares and unprepared. And that's why Lola is there for you. Uh, I'm probably not the only one who thinks, oh yeah, I have plenty of supplies for this. And then you open your cupboard and whoops, you don't. So um, you should check out Lola because they are 100% organic cotton. That sounds comfy to me. Um, You can also choose a mix of your products with different absorbencies, number of boxes, and frequency of delivery. Um, And for every purchase, they donate feminine care products to homeless shelters across the United States. So... Uh, if you would like to try Lola products, you can get 40% off of your first order by visiting mylola.com. That's M-Y-L-O-L-A.com and enter Schmanners when you subscribe. Uh, we're also supported this week by Molecule, the world's first molecular air purifier. Now, we are big fans of air purifiers. We Indeed have we several are. in our home because we have animals we have animals we live in the ohio river valley um and you know yeah exactly bb's a big fan too um and molecule introduces a breakthrough silent science a breakthrough silence you've never heard a silence like this before breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level Nice. I am reminded, I keep doing it like that, because there was an uh, SNL sketch with Conan O'Brien as Moleculo, the molecular man, and every time someone would say the name Moleculo, Conan O'Brien, who was Moleculo, would say, the molecular man, and it kind of blew his cover of his secret identity. Anyways, none of that's important to this. (laughs) Molecules technology has been verified by science, but most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has already helped allergy and asthma sufferers around the country significantly reduce their symptoms. I'm into it. One customer even said she was, quote, able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. That's right, BB. So, for $75 off your first order, visit Molecule.com. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and enter Schmanners at checkout. S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. Um, we also have a, a uh, Jumbotron this week. Um, How to Live an Amazing Life is an entertaining and informative podcast about all aspects of creating a great life for yourself. Learn about building strong relationships, maximizing happiness, eating well, growing food, meditating, getting better sleep, and a variety of other lifestyle design topics. Each episode teaches you a practical skill or a useful understanding to make your life better. That sounds amazing. I'm into making my life better. Yeah, right? Why wouldn't you want your life to be better? So, search How to Live an Amazing Life in iTunes and subscribe. Check it out. That sounds great. That's amazing. Um, One last thing before we wrap up. Um, Well, one, I hope you enjoyed the second half of the episode. But two, we won't be putting an episode out next week. Uh, So, just a heads up. Sorry we got to miss it. But I don't want you to be surprised that there won't be an episode next week. But you can check out our back catalog or all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. Yeah, that's right, BB. You should check out more. Um, And yeah, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of the episode. 
Do you love books? Want to get more out of all that reading you do? I'm Bria Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. Join us every Thursday on Reading Glasses, where we help you read better. Reading Glasses is a show about book culture, teaching you how to enhance your literary life and solve your bookish problems, like how do you get out of a reading slump? What's the best book light to use in bed while your partner's trying to sleep? Where do you hide the bodies of the people who talk while you're trying to read? In the basement of my apartment building. Ooh, that's a good place. Let Bria and I improve your reading life every Thursday on Reading Glasses, Maximum Fun's new culture podcast learn how to read better hello are you looking for a new comedy podcast in which case can i draw your attention to the beef and dairy network podcast it's a fictional industry podcast for the beef and dairy industries it won best comedy at the 2017 british podcast awards and it features wonderful guests such as greg davis to my knowledge it's the only cow circus that's ever existed in this country in rural russia Every small town has a cow circus. Josie Long. You should have a beef. Have a beef with them. I have a beef with you. I will have a beef with you. Come round my house and I'll have a beef with you. And Andy Daly. That virus never existed. There was never any such thing as a mad cow disease. That was all an illusion that uh, Big Lamb came up with. That's the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts from. And I would recommend starting at episode one. Bye. Uh, What's the next question? Do this you? question is from M. I'm just going to say M because okay. um, there's a lot of numbers in there. When is it okay to be drunk? Ooh. It's tough, right? Because I thought about this question a lot. Okay. And I don't... The thing about it is, is especially now when I think about being drunk as a goal, it feels we. I looked it up. I Googled, when is it okay to be drunk? Oh, nice. Travis did some research. I was not thorough. But the first one that came up was celebration. And that makes sense to me in very specific circumstances. So, for example, when I think about New Year's, New Year's Eve, it feels okay to drink a little bit then, you know, like to... to to drink not just, like, one cocktail to unwind, but to oh drink to the point of, like, I am drunk. That feels okay. okay. Or, like, celebrating at a wedding. That feels okay. But I, I think that the reason it's so hard for me to think about is it's weird to talk about it as a goal to be achieved. Because mm-hmm. that's where I think it gets very dangerous. Because that's what I think about when I think about my college years of, like, let's get drunk. And I wish I had just spent more time with my friends. Instead of thinking that the only way we could have fun was if we were inebriated. Because, in fact, it just means I don't remember as many fun stories as I probably could have if I just spent time with my friends. Hmm. Mm. Don't pity me. <laughs> I've had a life well lived. <clears throat> I would And now say. here on my deathbed. Oh, God. I'm happy to share it with all of you. I, I would say that um, if the goal... Is, is to be intoxicated. I, I think that um, the occasion calls for planning, calls for being safe, um, and also being uh, in the company of friends, I would suggest, um, so that you can have uh, more than one mind available to you. You know what I mean? Um, it's very easy to think about, well, I'm, you know, drinking at home by myself on the couch. But if something happens to you, you know, uh, 
forbid, but like something happens to you, there should be someone around who can help take care of you. And I'm not saying that that is anyone's responsibility, but if you are, if you're planning this sort of event for yourself, um, it, it needs it needs planning. It just does. Um, and I, I think also to that point, this is another thing. Now here I am, a 34 year old old person. I know it's very sad, <laughs> but I think that one of the things I've learned in my old age is the difference between. You can't say that. I'm so old. Getting older every day, it seems. And feeble, too. Oh, so feeble, you guys. I didn't sleep on my regular mattress. Ugh. I'm falling apart. Um, when, when does feeble just mean spoiled? Does or that whiny. Mean? That's another whiny. one, too. That's another one. Uh, um, I think that there is... Uh, what you, well, I think that we need to stop thinking about it as a uh, yes or no, you know, on and off kind of thing. Because there's a difference between, like, I have drank enough that I'm enjoy like, for me personally, this is what I found in my old age. I don't advocate this. If you choose not to drink and you don't want to drink, more power to you. Fully endorse that. But the idea of like, yes, I'm going to this barbecue. I know like two beers and then one beer every hour and I will be drunk a little bit, but like then I can wait two hours and sober up and go home. So it really helps to know your own limitations. Right. Instead of just like, let's do eight shots to start the night. And then it's like, okay, we'll just go to bed now. Um, Unless you want to have like nap party, that's fine. But that's where I'm at now. My friends and I remember... After, I mean, I had a baby a year and a half ago. After, like, a glass of wine, it's a nap party. Yeah. That is, uh, I, I remember another, when I was younger, me and my friend Bradbury and my friend Bob um, would often, on a Saturday, drink PBR, because we didn't know any better. <laughs> oh, we were young and idealistic. Um, hipsters, and we would drink the PBR, and we'd watch all three original Star Wars, and that was just like our day, and that seemed fine, and now the idea of doing that all day, from like 10 to 6 or whatever, just makes me feel like so sleepy. (laughs) Just to think about it, so sleepy. I think I did that with the Lord of the Rings trilogy once, where you just watch like the extended version all the way through, and that's like Saturday and Sunday, am I right? Uh, We're dorks. All right. Um, Let's do, uh, can we get like a little bit of lights up? Just a little bit of house lights. We're going to do some audience questions. A little bit of house. Still can't see you. A little bit of house lights. Oh, that's good. Okay. That's nice. Right here, red sleeves. We're going to start with you because you're right next to the microphone. Um, So when you're ready, your name. Your pronouns, if you feel comfortable giving them, you do not have to if you don't want to. And your question. Hi, I'm Tyler. Hi, Tyler. Hi. uh, So I'm only 22, almost 23, so I don't drink that often. I don't have that much experience with it. So when I go to a bar with, like, my girlfriend, it ends up being me standing near the bar looking up drinks I might want. So I'm not really confident like that. Like, one time I went and I told the bartender I wanted a vodka cherry sour, and he said, no, you don't want that. And oh. went to help other people. So how can I be more confident in knowing what I want to drink while also expanding my horizons? Sure. Um, well, you're of legal purchasing age. So I would recommend that you actually, like, 
have some fun time at home. Like, make your own... Responsibly. Responsibly, like yeah. I said. Get... Um, you know, I mean, the internet is full of recipes, but there are some, there are really great cocktail manuals, like the Have Diners Club. a cocktail Club. party with friends, where you each try different ones, and yeah. some for each other. Um, so the research is really what you need to do, and then um, what I did is I found the one I liked, and I stuck with it for a very long time, Amaretto Sour. Mm. I liked that. I liked it for a while. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> uh but like you can you can find the one and then order that one with confidence and they won't turn you down so um, so do your research that's what i recommend also you can always try like if they have specialty cocktails you know what i mean something like that where eventually what you want to do is you want to hone in on like i know that i like this kind of liquor and i prefer you know orange versus sweet or i like this and eventually you'll kind of zero in on it um, and it's also fine if you don't like cocktails, because my favorite cocktail is whiskey. So, And an ice cube. And an ice cube. Um, but yeah, so here's the thing. Also, if a bartender ever says, like, you don't want that, say, yes, I do, and take one dollar away from their tip, and you're no, like... No, don't do that. <laughs> I also, I have found a lot of success in, like, if I hear somebody order a drink, say, like, yeah, that sounds good, and try that. That kind of thing. Also, go to some place like Super Hipster where they call themselves like a mixologist and let them just go crazy. I like that. That is fun. Yeah, but make sure they're not busy because if they're really busy, they'll get mad at you. One time, a mixologist made us a drink that was smoke-infused. <gasps> I remember they this. lit a cinnamon stick on fire in a decanter and then capped it so it filled with smoke and then poured the drink in and swirled. It was delicious. And it tasted like smoke. And we were the only people in the bar, so we did not feel bad ordering that very uh, labor-intensive drink. Yeah, don't order a mojito, because it takes 45 minutes to make, (laughs) and no bartender appreciates that. I hope that answers your question. Or a mint julep, same thing. Or a mint julep, takes forever. All the muddling. There you go. I like that. Okay. You pick the next one. All right, well, I'm going to go a little further back. I'm going to say here uh, you have dark hair and a quarter sleeve. Yes, yes. Walking towards Walking the mic. Towards, here we go. Okay. We have to narrate it for the podcast audience. Hi, I'm Shadlin, and my question is kind of the inverse. We have a home bar mm-hmm. that's actually pretty well stocked, but when people come over, how do I best offer them options without just throwing the book at them, literally the bartending book, just throwing the right. post noted book? Um, well, I think that if you have, I mean, much like a bar, if you set up for two or three, this is what you're doing, cocktail party, set up for two or three, like, drinks where you have the mixer and the liquor and, and whatever kind of accoutrement it requires, and kind of like a pile here and a pile here and a pile here so that you can keep it all together. I think that if you give people that kind of safety net, they feel like, oh, well, I really like this drink, but I don't want to put the bitters in and I don't want to do this. And so they feel like you've already got it started for them. So you have kind of like little piles of drink suggestions. There are also, and this is a uh, another kind of 70s thing that is no longer in fashion, but there are lots of uh, drinks that are made to be mixed in pitchers. So then you like just pour, instead of having to individually mix everybody's drink, it's like three or four ingredient thing, like a martini. I mean, really is something you can make 
on mass and then like uh, dole out into individual. So it might be something where you can ahead of time say like, and I've made this and this, and you can have either one that you like. Um, because it, it, there is a problem when you offer someone too many choices right. that they That's can like the shut down. Um, and so kind of narrowing it down to like, as you were saying, like three or four options can really help with that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Is it your turn? Maybe we should pick. Yeah. I, I, I will. I, bow tie. Yes. With the squirtle. Bow tie with squirtle. We have a pretty well-stocked bar at home as well. And I think that one of the things that we always offer is um, we enjoy sparkling wine. And so one of the things that, that we did is we joined uh, like a, a wine club. Club W? Wink, and so, wink now. Wink now. Um, and so we've expressed our interest in sparkling wine so we can make things like bellinis and mimosas. And, and sparkling wine. Sparkling wine. <laughs> So we always have those available, and that makes us happy. Hello. Hi. Um, my name is Reese. I use he, him pronouns. Hi, Reese. Uh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. <laughs> I'm so nervous. Don't um, be. You're doing great. So this isn't a question about drinking, because I'm 20, and okay. I need to be responsible. Regular um, etiquette is also welcome. Yes. So I'm kind of on the quiet side, but I have a laugh that is occasionally described as evil, or hyena-like, mm. and that isn't so much of a problem for me, except for when it starts disrupting what people are doing. Okay. Um, like if we're doing something like Dungeons and Dragons, and I was wondering if you guys know how to not. Ah, uh, well, you know the thing is, that's part of what makes you who you are, and so I would not suggest that you stifle your laughter. Um, and I would, I would, if you're going to describe it to strangers, I would say infectious. Yeah. I have an infectious <laughs> um, I will say, Reese, uh, believe you me, I share similar, uh, uh, similar... Boisterous. Yeah, a boisterous laugh, yeah. similar trait. And I remember very much from like, I think like 18 to 24, I worked actively to repress it. And I like developed a silent laugh and all this stuff. And then what I realized was I was spending so much time thinking about it and trying to control it that I wasn't actually enjoying things as much as I was if I just was myself and enjoyed the moment. And um, what I found is it actually didn't bother the people around me who cared about me like I thought it did because I was very self-conscious about it. And really what I learned was I, I was embarrassed by enthusiastically and uh, uh, unrepressedly enjoying things. Right, and I think that is actually perfectly fine. So I don't think you need to change your laugh at all. I, I think that, uh, in fact, you should just—it's part of you. Um, and I'm willing to bet the people who like being around you don't mind it. And um, I'm also going to say that if you—if it is something that you're interested in, um, there are several singing techniques. I have uh, actually a BFA in musical theater. I'm using it really well, you guys. We're on stage. This is um, a thing. Um, and one of the one of the techniques heavily focuses on breathing. And so if you can. Uh, relax through the laughter, breathe through the laughter, you may find that it, it sounds a little more airy. It sounds um, less um, the vibrato, so like the waving that you were talking about in a hyena-like manner. Um, 
might relax if you can think more about the breath and and relaxing. Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Of course. Okay. You pick one. Oh, boy. Okay. And I'm going to share an interesting fact as they come down. Well, we've we've neglected this half of the audience. All right. How about in the black shirt you're being pointed at? Okay, so here's the interesting fact, because I was curious about this, and I looked it up. Um, I want you to all picture in your head how old is the youngest person born before there was a universal drinking age in the United States of America. You put it differently to me backstage, where you said, what year was yes. the person born? Sure, picture that. Before the, the drinking age. Right? So if you're picturing an age, right, that person is me, <laughs> because there was not a universal drinking age in America until 1984, which was mind-blowing to me. In 1983, there were still like five states where 18-year-olds could drink and something like 20 states that had 20 uh, years old or below. And the reason is, originally it was, eight, or originally it was 21 uh, post-prohibition because that was voting age. And then when voting age lowered to 18, most states lowered their drinking age to 18. And then there were a lot of drunk driving accidents. And so in 1984, Congress passed the law uh, that made it that the legal age of drinking across all the United States was 21. Very interesting. that was interesting. Nice. Okay. Hello. Hello. Hi, my name is Harley. I use they, them pronouns. Very, thank you very much for choosing me for your questioning. Um, I am a bit of the mama hen of the group um, that I'm in, and I'm always like, hey, can I help you with something? Hey, I'd like to help out. Um, Sounds so rude. uh, (laughs) um, I'm a little bit worried about that sometimes. Um, I do. Would you would you do me a favor? I'm so sorry to interrupt. Would you turn the microphone up towards you? Thank you. you. Okay. That's much better. The also don't want to sound too loud. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, the question I have to ask is, in what situation would it not be schmannerly to offer your assistance? Um, you know what? I think that uh, this goes with the insistence of, of two. So you offer it one time, and that gives people an opportunity to say things like, oh, no, it's fine, don't worry about it. But then the second time is when you really get what they really think. So someone will say, if someone says, you know, can I can I help you clear the table? And they go, oh, no, it's fine, I'll get it. And then you say, no, really, would you like help? And then they'll have to say yes or no. And if they say no, you have to take them at their word. So just the two, two times to offer, and then that's their bed. They have to lie in it. And so they, if they refuse your help a second time, you're off the hook. I also think that word choice is very important where there is a big difference between would you like help and let me help you with that, right? Because I think would you like help is you're making an offer that they are, it's up to them to decide whether or not they want that. Whereas let me help you with that can often be seen as very like... Insistent. For, yeah, and, and kind of forceful where I, I, I always prefer to be asked rather than someone just kind of forcing their help on me. Um, so I would say make sure it's a question and that you are asking it sincerely. And this is where it gets tricky because the thing, and you can't always pinpoint it, but oftentimes the uh, non-schmannerly problem is tone of voice 
that sounds like the difference of I would like to help you because I would like to help you versus I would like to help you because it seems like you can't do it on your own and it gets a little trickier there. So I think trying to go for sincerity rather than trying to think of the best way to ask, right? Because sometimes in being delicate, we come across as insincere. Um, so just asking sincerely and, uh, and accepting their, their responses, Teresa said. Right, yeah. I, I always give them, because I also, you may notice, am the, the help type, uh, the, the motherly type, as you said. So I, would, uh, I often offer my services as well. Um, but that first offer gets the like niceties out of the way, and then the, the Midwesternies out the of the Midwesternies, way. The Midwesternies, yes, gets that. Can I help out you of with your way. fourteen boxes? No, no, <laughs> I'm fine. Do you have another box I could carry? And then the second one is the real answer. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Welcome. you. Let's do two more. Two more. Okay, it's your turn to pick. Okay. So. Uh, I, I'm going to say flannel shirt rolled up to the elbow. Yes, you. You turned around, yes. person in flannel shirt. Um, let me think if there's any. Uh, they're already no, at the oh, mic now. Look at that. Uh, hi, my name's Alex. He, hi, he, Alex. He, him pronouns. Uh, so there are some drinks that you can order at bars that have semi-embarrassing or not particularly appropriate names. I'm a big fan of Irish car bombs, which is not a culturally sensitive name, but how, how do you order those and not have to use the garbage names but still have the people know what you want? We, I feel like on our St. Patrick's episode, we came up with a different name for it. There was something like... Uh, we called it like a Jaeger drop or, or Guinness bomb. Was or that a Guinness drop? Guinness drop or Guinness something drop. like that. But often, my advice, if that's the case, is to describe the drink and then say, say like... Could I get, you know, a Guinness with a shot of whiskey and let them fill it in if they want to? But, uh, yeah, knowing the ingredients of the drink in that case is usually the easiest way to kind of uh, subvert that. Um, and, then, and then once that's established, you can just say, can I have another? <laughs> then it's a lot <laughs> the easier. The second one's easier. <laughs> um, and I, I think that... Uh, you can also apply the rule of um, what happens when you're maybe at like a, a restaurant that has the names of the food in like a different language. Um, the point at, like at this. oh, I'd like this one, please. Or just point stand at the, at the bar and wait for someone else to order it, and you go, "What they had?" <laughs> then you don't want to say it. You might be standing there a long time, Travis. <laughs> Depends on what day of the year it is. I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. Did that help? <laughs> yes, thanks very much. Cool. Let's do one more. Last one. And oh yes. In the in the middle in the back, yes, you All have the way a, the back. a very long arm. <laughs> I saw it in the darkness. Hey, what? No. Don't laugh at me. No, I was You guys can laugh. He's not allowed. Oh I see. Hello. Hi, if anyone's curious, they're this long. Yes. <laughs> Um, so I do, uh, How do I deal with people commenting on my long arms? Oh, no! Uh, my name's Kate. She, her. Um, what is the etiquette around... Uh, so uh, for folks who can't see me, I am in my 30s. Uh, a lot of my girlfriends are uh, starting to maybe be pregnant. Mm-hmm. Or, um, mm-hmm. And also, you know, some people maybe have stopped drinking for other reasons. Uh, what is the etiquette of when someone, you offer someone a drink and they say like, 
I'm not drinking tonight, or you know, how do you how do you how do you respond to somebody who you know previously has has drank in the past, but then they aren't drinking tonight, and you just are kind of like, oh. Um, this is something that I encountered when I was pregnant, um, and I chose at at a certain point to no longer drink, um, and. The best part was when a friend would say, hey, do you want a beer? And I'd go, no. And then they would say nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and if you feel absolutely compelled to say something, I think, okay. <laughs> so, can I get you a drink? No. Okay. Like, now, because, listen, we often on Schmanners give the, like, uh, textbook, cor- quote-unquote, correct answer. And then we give the, like, real world of, like, we understand. And I understand that there are some people who say it in a certain way of, like, they very clearly want you to say, oh, why not? And they go, because I'm pregnant! (laughs) And so a lot of that is, like, read the room kind of scenario. Or if somebody's like, oh, you know what, I'm not really drinking tonight. And it's like, are you okay? You know, it's like there's a certain kind of gut reaction that I think that accompanies a certain delivery on their part. But if somebody's just like, no, thank you, like, I, I understand the curiosity of humanity to want to say, oh, why? But I think if somebody <laughs> has not... Or even to apologize. Yeah. Because you, if this, uh, like you said in your situation, if this is something where it was um, a pattern before that they may have wanted a drink and now they don't... Um, I don't think that you need to apologize for that either because it's the same thing with if you were going to offer someone coffee after dinner and they they say, no, I'm good. I mean, there's no reason for you to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have offered you coffee. Unless they're like, coffee? How could you? How dare you? Coffee killed my dad. (laughs) How? I don't want to talk about it. Oh, Oh, no. no. So it, it, it's um, one of those things where I think that in, in your own brain, you think about, oh, did I do this wrong? Are they mad at me? All this kind of stuff. And, and no one else is really thinking about that. Um, if they didn't want coffee, they would say, no, thank you. I don't want coffee. If they don't want a beer, then they'll say, no, I don't want one. Um, and hopefully there's, there's uh, you know, another conversation a little later if someone is pregnant and they want to tell you really badly and you just didn't ask. And, oh, no. that, I keep picturing it in my head. It's so funny. I'm going, uh, I would, but I'm not drinking right now. And you're just like, okay. And they're like, <laughs> don't you want to know why? No, it's your bed. I don't want to pry. <laughs> If they really want to tell you that they're pregnant, they'll find a way to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I hope that that makes you feel better about offering things to your friends. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, first, so we're going to wrap up. But before we do, I want to say thank you to you all for coming. Absolutely. Thank uh, you so much. You know, and I really mean this, you've been a great audience. <laughs> Austin has the best audiences I've found. And how about that barbecue? I'm really trying to win him over. Oh, well, don't you think you should have done that at the beginning? Oh, no. Um, Cool. I also want to say thank you to Moon Tower 
uh, for having us out. This is yeah, our, our first comedy festival. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I imagine there's even more shows after this. I don't think we're the only show they had. I think we might be the first. Oh. Okay. So, anyways, go see other shows at Moon Tower. It's yeah. really great. Um, if this is your first time, is anybody? Is this your first Schmanners episode you've ever heard? Oh wow! Thank you for A lot of people. Um, we're on the MaximumFun.org network. Um, thank you. Hey. And you can find us on iTunes, S H M A N N E R S, and we are on Twitter at SchmannersCast. Um, and we have a really nice face, uh, fan run Facebook group called Schmanners Fanners. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, I came up with that myself. Um, and what those are, and it's really great because it's a lot of um, people who offer very polite and very helpful advice in a non judgmental way. So it's, it's a really great group. If you're interested, you can join that. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. And that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.